Live. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Catfish Weekly. I'm Patrick James with Lyle Stokes, Mike Greenwell, and Jake. I forgot to, I didn't get your last name. McFarland, McFarland, Jake McFarland. Jake McFarland. Thank y'all guys for coming in tonight. And before we get started, we want to wish Lyle a happy birthday tonight. Well, thank you. Happy birthday, Lyle. Thanks. I've had a bunch of people send me messages and posts and different things, and uh, it's greatly appreciated. Makes you feel good that that many people think enough of you to take a minute of their time every year to tell you happy birthday. So thank you all so much. Oh, yeah. We want you around for many more. Hope so. Running it by myself. <laughs> That's being said, guys, don't forget to share, hit the like button, the thumbs up, and uh, let's get this show on the road. We got Palmetto Cats, Half Crazy, James Dockery, Mike Irvin, Brian Outdoors, Wicked Catfish, Half Crazy, Creole. Creole's going to be on our show next week, ain't he, Lyle? He is. Can't wait. And, uh, we got all kind of good people in here. Mr. Dockery, I'm sure he's going to be stirring it up. JP3. Uh, who else we got in here? We got D's in the house tonight. We got a bunch of good people, guys. Don't forget if you see new channels on here, check out their channels and see what they're all about. You might like them. I see Avid Maurice is in the house setting the hooks and crossing. I still love that daggum name, Lyle. Setting the hooks and crossing eyes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Catfishing, crappy. All right, guys. We're going to hit up and pick your brain a little bit tonight. Uh, Y'all caught a monster the other day in a tournament. No doubt about it. (laughs) I would assume, Jake, that that was your PB, wasn't it? It was, and uh, (laughs) almost doubled my previous. How about that? Really? Yeah. Yes, sir. (laughs) Dang right, guys. Well, uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're fishing out of and, you know, a little bit about the tackle that you use to catch that big fish. And let's go through a few of the the obvious questions, bait, bait, tackle, and boat. Uh, well, we just, we're just fishing out of a little old 93 Crestliner Deep V. Uh, got it set up for everything we need. Um, we're fishing some tailwaters. But damn, I had some, had a lot of bait in the area, some balls of shad, and you could see the skipjack streaking, chasing them. At least we thought they were skipjack, and they were. Uh, we're actually bumping and, and kind of back walking. We didn't have a whole whole lot of current, but uh, we found a little section where we, we had about a five-foot drop and 50 yards long, and we caught every fish out of that one little hole. That's right. Right. Uh, never know, do you guys? When you're searching in spots, what'll show up? Yeah, we put a game plan together probably Wednesday night, and we talked, and we went and got some bait Thursday afternoon, and we was gonna go Friday afternoon, but some weather moved in, so we just said, "Heck with it, we got plenty of bait." And we put we just kept talking, kept talking, plan A, plan B, plan C, and we made it about playing A and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you about way. made Lyle spit his tea out. <laughs> <laughs> we started well, with it, it doesn't you know? always work out that way when you make plans like that, but it's really for a good day when it does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we started way up in the gates, and the way the wind was blowing and the way the current was, we ended up way out of the dam just in the tailwaters and that's where the the fish were hiding out back there in a little bit of slack really 
Awesome. Just enough current to where we was bouncing a two ounce. Yeah, this little weight right here, actually. The bigger the bait, the, the better, because it helped uh, the current help pick it up. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's all the sinker we had on there. <laughs> little bitty two ounce cannonball. That's yeah. it. Well, that ain't too often you get to bump with something that light, is it? Well, no. Um, and if you didn't have a big old skipjack head on there, it wasn't going to bump either. <laughs> you had to have big bait to get it to walk back. Well, I'm a firm believer in bouncing that the lightest weight that you can get away with and feel the bottom, you're the better off you are. Yes, but if sure. the color is hot, a lot of times two ounces is not enough, but uh, if you can, if you can keep it the lightest, you bet. The lighter, the better. And uh, big baits for big fish. I don't care. <laughs> I, I think mean, I've made a, I think I've made a believer out of old Jake. He always said that if he can't have a four ounce, he don't want to bump. He just wants to drift. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we made it happen with that two ounce Saturday. Right. <laughs> Before that day, if I wasn't using a four or five, I just go to straight sticking some drifting rods and. You know, it's uh, well, let's put up the time too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, what kind of rods are y'all using to bump with? I know different people choose different type of rods or different brand of rods, but now, do y'all like a good fast action tip on your rods or, or what you go with? Yeah, uh, actually, we're using the, the BM bumping rods. I don't know, kind of see it there, Silver Cat Pro Magnum. That's all it is. Uh, mine's the third generation, I guess, and I think Mike's still got the second gen, but they're uh, they're light, and we could feel that two ounce in 40 foot of water and at 100 yards behind the boat. <laughs> Dang right. Dang right. Listen up to them, guys. I'm going to tell you, these are two guys that knows what that uh, walking that bait down the water will do. I've seen Mike's quite a few of his videos. Don't forget to check out his channel, guys, Mike Greenwell. But I've seen you put some good fish in the boat doing some of that back bouncing and walking them baits down through there. And it looks like fun. We don't have no waters out here where I'm at that we could do that. <laughs> so uh, I get to what I get to learn from y'all. Uh, so tell us about like the day, the way it got started. Go ahead. Well, it just got started. You know, we it was just a small little tournament. I think 10 boats showed up. But like I said, we had our game plan. So we went downriver. We locked through. And uh, we ran up to the to the pretty much to the line, and we started our first drift. And we found out pretty quick that it was going to be not happening there. We ran our own down, let the wind take us, and we found that little gully and started putting some fish in the boat and just having a grand old time. That's for sure. <laughs> we was Ric Flair wooing, we was Ric Flair dancing. Well, we was just having a good old time. Now, is that a piece of water y'all have fished before? We got together, uh, what was it, three years ago. We went yeah. up there and we was just doing some drifting. It was in the middle of July, I think, and we caught a whole bunch of fish in them waters back three years ago. Nothing big that day, but we caught, I don't know, 18, 20 fish in the <laughs> tournament. I mean, we had action all day. Nothing with any size, definitely not a 92-pounder. But We started but to go out. Now you're saying that oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. We started the day off, I think, with it was probably around a 30-pounder. And then his second fish was like an 8-pounder. Jake caught five of the six fish this day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said in the, in the video, it's Jake's show today. <laughs> there you go. 
using the exact same rig, standing shoulder to shoulder. It just they were biting on my pole that day. Hey, it happens that way. Sometimes they'll be on the left side of the boat that they hitting on it. Some days they'll be on the right hand side of the boat. That's right. Some days they won't hit on either side of the freaking boat. Right. As long as they're hitting the boat, we're happy. <laughs> there you go. Now it's uh do you normally drag through that area or is it a place that you like bumping on that type of river where you was at? When you're that close to them uh, tailwaters, you mostly want to be drifting or uh, bumping. You can't do too much dragging up that close to them dams. Okay. Uh, I, I was mean, wondering, I know some people wanted to know what the difference is as to drifting, as to dragging. What would you be doing different when it comes to that point? But There's is it real point. rocky? The reason that you was talking about not being able to drag that much, is it real rocky and hangy that you would lose you a lot of your rigs? No, we didn't. I don't think we lost a rig all day. It's just uh, too much current. It's about a mile and a half current up there. It's just You want to drag around, uh, I mean, when there's almost no current or just right. a little bit, you know. But right. You go down from there just a little ways. There's some good sandbars that we like to drag just a few hundred yards down. But when you get up there close to that dam, it's just too much current to drag. Right. Now, you're talking about that little five-foot drop. Is, is that something that, that is normal up through there, having holes and stuff, scar holes and stuff like that? Or is it something that y'all found in there was just kind of unique? The way that one is, it's kind of unique, really. It's not it's not up on the bank. I mean, we, we actually missed it the first time. We caught one fish, and we just – the wind kind of blew us. And when we turned around to pull back up, the depth finder lit up like a Christmas tree. Mike was back there messing with his rods and cutting some bait. And I said, hey, turn around here. You got to look at this. And it was just – they were just stacked in that little hole. And the, the very next time we tried, and I made sure I stayed on my line using the depth finder. And we went over that hole, and as soon as we did, 30-pounder. Boom. We pulled up, did it again, 25-pounder. That just They were just in that hole. Every time we hit that little drop, we were going to catch a fish. And we it, that's how it went. I mean – now, did you mark that big fish in that hole? I, I don't we, know if I did, I but so. <laughs> so we were pulling back up, and I pulled out to put on the side scan because I wanted to see what it looked like to the left and the right. And it was the first time I'd really noticed a fish, and he looked like a submarine. I mean, you could see the you could see the top of the fish, and you could see how it got smaller, like a you know shaped like a torpedo. I said, right. I got a fish, and that's a big fish, and. It wasn't maybe two times back through there that I hooked into that fish. So I'd, I'd say we did. <laughs> Guys, they hooked into a 92-pounder. And if you got, if you hadn't seen the video, make sure you check it out. The excitement on that boat <laughs> was uh, <laughs> a double a double whammy of Ric Flair and knuckle bumping and stuff like That's that. Nice. And bulls is having fun. And, you know, Mike and Jake, that's what catfishing is all about, anyway. And hey, right. if you don't, exactly if you right. don't get excited when you catch a fish, I'm gonna stop fishing. You know, <laughs> I don't care how big they are. I, it, you got to get that little bit of excitement, or it, you might as well not go. In my book, anyway. Well, that's what Men Laws always said. If you still don't get excited watching that little red, white, and little red and white bobber take <laughs> off <laughs> out there brim fishing, <laughs> then yep. you just need to give it up. Yep, that's right. Try something different. So all you was using that day was big chunks of skipjack or whole skipjacks. 
Uh, most of the time, it was just we cut the big the heads off of them. Yeah. We put we put chunks on the drifting rods, and he caught a few of them on the drift rod. But most of the time, we was just putting them big old heads on there, putting them out there, and letting them bump on down. Back bounce. Mile, you got anything to add to this conversation before we no. go on with the float? No, I've been uh, watching the watching the uh, chat, and everybody seems to be under general consensus that a ninety-two is a fish of a lifetime, and I would agree with that. That's a that's an absolute giant. I don't care what waters you're fishing. Uh, that's that's a giant fish anywhere you go, and and uh, ninety-two pounds. That's it's huge. <laughs> You know, I, back in uh let's see july 3rd me and another buddy went up to the dam and caught a few skipjacks and uh we took our bumping rods and a bait rod we caught a little bit of bait caught about 50 skipjack or so and we said you know let's bump one time we got some good fresh bait and uh my i didn't hit the ground maybe two three times hit the bottom and i had a bite and i missed a fish and not 30 seconds later my the guy i was fishing with landed a 78 and I knew that this fish was comparable. I was thinking, ah, oh, it's maybe 75, 80 pounds. They put it on a scale. I about fell over, to be honest with you. I had to sit down in the boat. <laughs> I had no idea it was 92 pounds, that's for sure. And that, you know, most people that gets me is you fish one body of water, and the fish will have a huge girth, but they're not quite as long. And you just go down and catch basically the same size fish, and it'd be really, really long and not near as much girth. And I've often wondered if that's the difference in genetics in those fish or the difference in what they eat. I always wondered if it was the male or the female. That too, from what I heard anyway. Could be. But I don't know. That, to me, if a fish is swimming in a lot of current, they got a tendency to get that long, lean you know, yeah. they, they, they're sitting up in them lakes and things like that. They're short and fat, kind of like us guys here, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> All I know is that Mike was picking up a lot of heavy breathing the time y'all got that, <laughs> that fish in the boat with y'all. <laughs> he was, too. Hey, that fish turned me around the boat. We didn't get the live feed going until oh, very at the end, but I was on the left side. I was on the right side. I was on the front of the boat. We turned the troll motor off, and he was just pulling us around. I mean, <laughs> it was, uh, I wasn't doing a whole lot to him until he decided he was going to come up, I'll tell you that. I bet. I bet. <laughs> it really yeah. felt, like, it felt like a log when I reeled down on the fish because it didn't move. And then, and then he went upriver, and I knew it was a fish from that point on. The one time yeah. I would want to know if you was using chicken to catch that. But I can't. Chicken of the Ohio River, I guess. Yeah, chicken of the sea. A little Kool Aid chicken with garlic on it. Yeah. Yeah. A little funny. A little funny story. That night, I've never seen a chicken before. Maybe a whole chicken or a duck. Yeah, that's what I'm getting ready to say. You fish with whole chickens with that rascal. It definitely fit in his mouth. That thing had a five gallon bucket go in his mouth. Wow. Probably about two two or three drifts before we caught that one. I put a, a 43 in the boat, the only fish that I caught this day. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right after that fish, my reel started just sounding funny and making some noises, and I just didn't trust it. Yeah, didn't want to engage. Was yeah, like, hey. it, was just, it was being real shaky. So I was like, you know what? I better change this out so we can get that 70. So I changed that reel out, and I'm sitting there looking at our, our mark. We know that's coming up. 
and that, that mark means that little drop. And I get right. that tank out and get it hooked back in and get back in the water, and that big fish just hit his instead of mine. But. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> in the same drift, we're halfway back. You know, we're about 100 yards away from him, and he said, I'm going to go ahead and change that reel so I can catch this 70. <laughs> sure enough, it just wasn't on the end of my rod. When you guys are in a tournament like that, you're a team. Oh, yeah, that's right. matter which rod it hits or who catches it, you're there we to do the job, team. and that's to right. put fish in the boat and win that tournament, and you succeeded on both parts. That's, that's right. right. And you and you included us in it. We felt like we was in the boat with you, laughing and having fun with you. I laughed and laughed. I was like, them boys are just having just too much fun. Oh, oh we were. I, and we were having fun before that fish. So I wish I wish the GoPro would have been rolling. I wish yeah. I'd have had my battery. Cause before that fish hit, we was already having a blast. It was just a, a good day on the water. I mean, we, the guys up there at the dam are looking over at us. We're over there. <laughs> we had guys coming to the weigh-in saying, well, I know you guys had a big fish. We heard you all the way <laughs> up with the locks. You know what? If you're not having a good time, it makes for a long day. But when you're having a good time and catching a bunch of fish, don't seem like them days are near long enough. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. right. But that's memories of a lifetime. It that, is. That, 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 that fish was well. And we just we kept looking at that fish. We kept looking at that fish, trying to fish a little bit more and we was like, man, we gotta go get this thing weighed in. <laughs> yeah. Your live well was pretty full. Well, it, it was. It was very full. So <laughs> it holds 16 inches of water deep wise. And that fish was on the bottom and sticking out about two and a half inches out of the top. That's a great Yeah, I seen that. I now, y'all run oxygen on your live well? I didn't have the oxygen that day. I knew the water was going to be fairly cool. Yeah, and we just yeah. continuous water. You know, the summertime, yeah, I have an oxygen set up. We go in there. Okay, but, I figured you did. Most no, most yeah. people that are tournament fishing try to run out of oxygen, especially if they fish much in summer tournaments, yeah. which I in think a lot of the people are trying to get away with getting away from some of the hot water tournaments, and I agree they need to. That's a, that's a struggle to keep them old big fish alive when that water's that hot. A lot of guys around here, we've went to three fish weigh-ins during them hot summer months. You know, it helps and there wasn't no way you're fitting five fish and, you know, on the live well and keep them healthy when the water's 88, 90 degrees. You know, it, it, it's hard for sure. Well, I mean, you think about it. If you had that 92 and say a 40 and a 50 and a 60, you wouldn't have had enough live well. I don't know. So <laughs> after we, well, we took out a, what, a, a 92, a 43, a 23, and a little bitty old fish. Like 16 inches of water in the live well, completely full. We took all the fish out. I had about four inches of water. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't no joke. That's that how much no that's joke. how much water that whale was displacing there. I'm telling you, he was big. And, and when when you don't have oxygens and stuff going in there or some type of aeration, uh, that ain't much water for them guys to breathe in. No, right. not at all. That's why we just kept it on. We just kept water running on them. Just fresh water through the venturi and had good bubbles going and you know that fish probably would have been healthy for another we had about three hours left in the tournament but uh i just hate to see a fish like that not swim off you know oh you absolutely go. yeah so, yeah it swim yeah, off healthily oh yeah you know no not struggling to go off I, no. I always wonder about them fish i see people cut them big fish loose and you just see them barely swimming off and it always makes me wonder do these fish actually make it 
Yeah. Yeah, we stood there and watched him for a few minutes. He swam on off nice and good. Oh, yeah. I could tell by the way he was thrashing around. He was ready to roll. So. Yeah, he was, he was he as far away from us as possible. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't waste no time, didn't roll around or move. He just straight to the bottom. He seen so the big tail. That guy spent all the time with you. He could stand. <laughs> He's probably tired of hearing our mouse. <laughs> when you guys get fish like that in the boat, are you sitting there raising up the the live well lid all the time, checking on him? It was yeah. hard to close it, to be honest with you. Oh, what? <laughs> Whenever we get big fish in the boat, man, I'm sitting there all the time. Cindy says, "Leave that lid alone." I said, "Well, I got to let all that." Stinking, right. but <laughs> I'm just making sure that he ain't turned sideways or upside down because I couldn't stand to lose a good one, you know, in the live well. But you know, we're, we're the same way. We have oxygen and bubblers and everything under the world sun in ours uh, to keep that from happening. Now, y'all, y'all guys being tournament fishermen, and while we're talking a little bit about live wells, I want to ask you a question on that. What what would be your recommendation for the smallest live well that somebody could get away with? And I know it all depends on what waters you're fishing. Say if you're fishing in waters that ain't nothing but channels, but you on water, say like the Ohio River and other lakes that has a chance to get big blues and big flatheads. What would be the smallest live well that you your recommendations would be? I I say no smaller than 50, 60 gallons. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, we I run two 800-gallon pumps. Um, a live well holds about 80, 85 gallons. You know, I could get probably 90 in there if I wanted it to the top. Right. Uh, I actually built that live well up in the front of my boat over the last winter time. And, uh, I didn't have my vent, oh, my vents in it yet. And, uh, that's when you're talking about letting all that stink out. So we had the lid cracked. So I wouldn't make sure you let all the ammonia and stuff out from them. Fish. I, I still got to add a few things to it, but it's got a big overflow. And we had both them 800 pumps pumping and, you know, it, it's moving a lot of water. Well, yeah, I always wondered, I'd never see anybody do it, but, you know, putting something like a vent on top yeah, with an elbow stuff. on it. So you allow not just the ammonia out, but let the heat out. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, uh, it's coming soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you do recommend people putting running the venturis on their system too, right? Yeah, for sure. You got to suck that fresh air from somewhere and, and get it down in the water. Well, I, a little trick that when I, when I built my live well, what I've done is on my venturi hoses that come out, I carry a little small cooler and I put them ice blocks in it. And I got about 20 foot of copper line twisted up inside there so in warmer weather what i do is i take that venturi hose and stick it onto that copper line so <coughs> it's actually pulling cold air through that and blowing cold air in and out with the bubbles what happens is when you got 10 million little tiny bubbles that's 10 million little surface that carries that cold air it will cool that water you will be amazed and how quick it will drop the temperature in your water by just adding that little bitty. I just hang it on the back of my daggum live well and hook it up, and it pulls cool air. And you can actually watch the thermometer temperature start dropping as it's blowing it cold air bubbles through your water. So, on them warmer days, y'all tournament fishing, don't forget about it. try that. 
Mm -hmm. You could even run it out the bottom of your, uh, your your bait if you needed to, your bait cooler. Yeah. I mean, you leave the, we all leave the drains open anyway, you know, let get the water out of there. You might as well have a little coil in the bottom of it. And it'd be, it's a good idea. Like right. It. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'll throw ice in there, but that ice don't last long. When you're throwing it in warm water, it don't last long, and it only drops usually the surface temperature down. Most people's venturis is shooting out at the bottom. So that what that air comes up by your fish, this way right there is bringing that cool air and water right up through the fish's gills and stuff like that. It's something I tried and I like the way it works. So uh, you know, I try to pass along anything like that for people. Uh, any other tricks that y'all can think about that maybe y'all do that you don't see much of that might help people as far as getting into tournament fishing for the first times or. Don't get discouraged on your first couple of tournaments because <laughs> you're going to go and you're going to get your butts whooped. <laughs> yeah. Time, on, a, the water. Time yeah. on the water. That's, That's a great one there. It really is. I have a question in chat, and um, Mr. Gadget wants to know what you guys feel like is the best Venturi system for live wells. So I know a lot of guys use the, the Danco's. No, they're they're really good. They put off a lot of bubbles. Uh, that's personally what I have. I don't, you know, I don't know much about the others, but I've seen some good reviews and know a couple guys that run those, and they pump the hell out of some bubbles. Now they do. They're really good. What is uh what is the price range on those? I want to say you can get the whole setup, the hose, and everything. It's not twenty eight ninety nine, like right thirty yeah. bucks, right around thirty bucks. Cool. Yeah. No, that ain't bad at all. No, no, you put them right in line with your fill, and they come with the hose, and it's hard to beat that setup. What is the recommended pump size for them? So, whatever size pump you have, they offer different uh, venturis. So, okay, even okay. if guys are running five hundreds or eight hundreds, and even twelve hundreds, they got different ones to put in there. Gotcha. So. Okay. Now. So how long y'all been fishing tournaments? It's probably my third or fourth year, I guess. Really, I really started off kind of slow, you know, here and there and thought it was kind of cool and try to hit as many as I can now. And heck, we've been ever since this COVID, uh, I've been six days a week. That's what uh, I told Mike, you go catch us some bait, man, and we'll go try it. I'll be off this Saturday for once. Uh, it paid off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Gadget wants to know where they get to order one from. So I'm gonna say it's right off their websites where I got there is Danco Industries or something like that. I think's what it is. Amazon has them also, or you can call yeah tank guy down there in Tennessee that uh, makes all those bait tanks. Uh, shoot, the Shad Shad Man or whatever. Yeah, Jack. Well, I don't think I don't know if he's got them or not, but. Uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that do. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. they work really well. I use them on my bait tank at home as well. So. Oh yeah. Definitely recommend them. They put out a lot of really fine bubbles, and according to everything that I've read, yeah, striper soup. Thanks, Hagen. Uh, there you go. Uh, the finer the bubble, the better, more dissolved it is in the water, and that's what you want for the fish. So, uh, in in my opinion, 
I would agree with that. And that also, some of that has to do with the stone that you have in your live well to disperse that. For your oxygen too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh well, if you think about it, if that bubble makes it to the surface of the water, the air went out here, not in your water. That's right. Uh, so yeah, the finer the mist, the, the better off you are. Yep. Oh, we got all kind of people. We got 81 people in here tonight. Appreciate everybody coming in. <laughs> everybody wants to know how to catch some big fish. There you go. So, Mike, tell us what your biggest fish is, Mike. Now, we know what his biggest fish is now. Yeah, mine's still at 46. 46? That's yeah. still a good fish. My I don't know. It is. My flat also. Did you catch both of them bumping? No, the the uh, the forty six blue cat I did, but the 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 flathead he was on an anchor in late November. I hear you. I hear you. Now, do you like anchor fishing, guys? Yeah. Or has it got its place? When 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 we have to, we will. <laughs> right. It's hard to sit and wait when you can feel like you're going and hunting them down. You know, with right. the bumping, right. or drifting, or you're presenting that bait to a lot more potential fish, in my opinion. Right. right. Even dragging up through there, you know, you might drag a half mile stretch. You could go in front of a hundred fish. Whether you anchor, you might only look at five or six fish in that hole. You know. Well, what I was going to say is that, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I see a lot of fish and I see a lot of people catching a lot of fish, but no monsters catching them, dragging and drifting. Well, y'all just proved that wrong, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, there is, there's some guys out there that can anchor and catch some big fish, but that's just what the, that's just their technique they like to use. But whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you're confident in is there another you go. There's another secret right there, you know. Confident yeah. in everything. Yeah. Well, you know, Larry Moose said he ain't had an anchor in his boat in what many years on it, Lyle. <laughs> well, and uh Carl Moore said the same thing. Yeah. So and, and these guys catch a lot of fish. <laughs> yeah, dude. I keep an anchor just in case I have malfunctions, I guess. Put it that way. You never know right. your back will die. You've been out there bumping all day and Sometimes you just got to sit down and relax for a minute, too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or, or after you put a 92 in the boat, you just let the boat keep yeah. drifting. And we're just looking at each other like we're stuck. We just let the control motor off. And you just drifting down the river. What the heck just happened? We didn't know. We were, we were fish drunk, I think. I believe we was. You know, uh, you have days like that, and you sit there, and you got them fishing the boat, and people go by, and they look at you like you got three heads because they know you're <laughs> in a tournament, and you're supposed to be fishing, but they don't realize you are, in your mind, you already got it won. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what, so, when, when we went and weighed in early, we was going to go back out. That was our plan. Go in and get them. We was going to weigh just three fish because we had a small one. We was going to save him and try to upgrade him. Then that skill hit 163.65 for four fish, and we looked at each other and said, well, if somebody beats us, they deserve it today. I, I agree 100%. I really yeah. do. We're just going to sit up here, and we're going to relax the rest of the day and talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yep, no well, care. we talked about this before we went live. Let them know what, how far second place was behind y'all. 
53 pounds. Yeah, 53 pounds, I believe it was. <laughs> it you might spend 20 or 30 more years and not even see anybody else beat the rest of the crowd like that. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> so I've seen a five fish weigh in uh, probably, what, 56, well, probably 100 miles upriver up above Candleton Dam here in Indiana, and uh, they had five fish for 165. That's a great so, that's five fish though. Yeah, and we had four and fish for one sixty-four and some change. If we so, would if we would have remembered that, we yeah. would have probably went back out yeah. and caught that fifteen pounder just to try to beat that. Everybody was talking about how you know you'll never beat that five <laughs> fish. Never nobody will ever beat it. And that was in one of our local tournaments, you know, them guys uh, we fished with them a lot and they all oh you you could have beat it. You could have beat it. Well, we almost beat it with four fish. So right. yeah. No doubt. Yeah, because that little small fish would have had a couple more pounds on him, you'd have got it. Right. Oh, he wasn't but three pounds. Right. He was little. He was smaller than some of the bait we were using. Uh, little Bucket of Sunshine wants to know, do y'all fish year-round, and where are y'all at? And where was y'all fishing when you caught this fish? We're, we're in uh, southern Indiana. We was, uh, we was down – and even southerner Indiana, I guess you could say, down in around the Mount Vernon area when we caught that fish. Mm-hmm. And yes, we fish year round. If we can use the boat ramp, we're going fishing. I, I take off a little bit mid November, do a little bit of deer hunting. I like to get in the woods too, but uh, for the most part, the boat doesn't get winterized and, and I stay fishing. And that's about the only way you can uh, catch them. You can't catch them on the couch. That's right. Chad. Uh, would like to know was the tourney below the final dam on the Ohio River? No, 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 not I nowhere. Think there, near. I think there's two, two, two or three, or three dams more. still yeah. down okay. before the Mississippi. Yeah. He's trying to find your honey hole. He ain't kidding. <laughs> hey, JT, JT Meyer Dam. Right, JT there ain't Meyer no, Dam. There ain't no secret. You can see it in the video. We'll we'll show you the name of it and everything. It's yeah, I have never been. I've fished all over that Ohio River, and I've never been around that dam. So you know, that's a that's a pool that we don't fish a lot. There's no, not a lot of tournaments down there. There's not, you know, there's maybe one a year that guys have down that way because that we're mainly Southern Indiana, and that's a uh, pretty much that's Illinois and Kentucky on both sides of us. Once you get to that dam, you don't have Indiana, but for about fifty miles, and then you're you're in Illinois and Kentucky, so it's as south as you can go. Yeah. Anna would like to know what your favorite eater fish is. Uh, whatever you can get at the store, because I don't like cleaning them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be honest, Long John Silvers, how about that? Yeah, you ought to fry them up and bring them to me. That's right. Oh, man, uh, I hey, I don't mind a bluegill, to be honest with you. I take the, I take the fin out the back and pull the guts out, cut the head off, and uh, I pan fry them just like that, scale them and Eat their tails like potato chips once in a while. I mean, oh yeah, I love old school bluegill. My my uh, grandpa taught me that way to pan fry them in old cast iron pan, and man, they don't get. Well, Chad, just looking to know where where the bluegills are at. Sounds to me like you need to head south. You're too far north. He's up around Cincinnati or some place like that. Hagen Grubb says, Captain D's, I'm with you, Hagen. That, that's that's right. <laughs> you don't got to clean them. You don't got to scale them. You don't have to throw away the mess. You just chow down. If there's any leftover, you can just throw it away. 
I don't right. know. You get into a big old mess of them big bluegill about double yeah. hand size like that, yeah, they worth the <laughs> aggravation. So. They worth it. About, about once a year, I'm good for a fish fry. You can come on over and I'll have some of them bluegill, maybe a few crappie. I'd be but, all right. You know, we, uh, I like to have a fish fry once in a while. I invite a few people over. So I got oh, a couple yeah. little yeah. local ponds that I'll go catch bluegill and crappie out of. I don't, don't eat a whole lot of catfish. Not, not at all, really. You know, I yep. talk about the and how good they are, and they are. They're absolutely yep. delicious, but there's not much better than them great big old bluegill. I mean, they've got that hump on the top of their head, and they're, they're, they're about 10, 12 inches long. They just don't get a lot better than that. We ain't got, yeah. like, like got a lot of them 10, 12 inches long around here. Ours are maybe eight be a big be a big one around here you guys sit down there in the south you guys big we get them around here that size is farm oh, yeah. ponds. You, don't, right. you don't get them on public water you got to get them out of a farm pond oh yeah that's where all mine go a lot of times if we're gonna do that we'll set up the pot right there beside the pond we'll have one guy catching one guy cleaning and one guy frying then suckers will be <laughs> wiggling when they hit that grease so <laughs> Hey, Man. I, I, don't even, I don't even fillet them. I just pull the spine. I don't either. In out and you That's take your what blows my mind. People will flay them off. I thought, man, you wasting all that good meat. Well, it's too big. I said, well, cut them like you do a flounder. Just put you some slices through that meat. Uh huh. Oh, lay that flay <laughs> off after they're fried. That's right. Take your thumb right on the back and just split it right man. off the side. <laughs> yeah. That's all. You making all of us hungry old now. Food. Oh, I know it. I, I ain't ate dinner yet. I just got off work. <laughs> uh, now, do y'all ever use any other baits or anything when you're out there fishing than skipjack? Oh, yeah. You got to use that chad. Got to use them bluegills. That depends on the time of year around here, really. If, uh, right. if, the, skip, if the skipjack are running at the dams, we're using skipjack. But uh, okay. now here another few weeks, and yeah. skipjack, you're not going to be able to find them. Really, this year is kind of different because most of the time first week of october you're not gonna find them that shad bites coming around and uh you're not gonna catch one on skipjack you're gonna catch them on the shad that high protein and um just depends on what's in the area even asian carp in the hot summer yes you know i'm not afraid to fillet one of them suckers either me either yeah and I, you know that's something so i tell you joe cannot use game fish where you're at no Yeah, Chad and them, if y'all don't mind, post up Mike's uh, channel on here so people can go check him out. Got some great videos, some good fish on there. Uh, yeah, they've, they've been keeping up with that, bless their hearts. Yeah. Chad, Chad and Dee and them guys, all of them that do that, uh, appreciate you guys taking care of that for us. Mark. He's another anybody one. can uh, share a link. I need my drag rebuilt in this here 5600 <laughs> Abu Garcia. But, uh, I, think it, I think it was smoking after we got done fighting that fish, just to be honest with you. It's going to need some new track next year. Hey, a little 5600. Look at that. I like to keep it lightweight, simple. Like I said, on the B&M bumping rod. Wow. Little eight odd ripping lip hook. That and is a, little, a lightweight reel. Oh, yeah. Oh, chain swivel right here in the middle. I don't know if we can see that or not. It's kind of is tough. Is that a three-way? I can't see it real good. Well, you got yeah, a, we got a, got a three-way three up here at the top that goes down to your, your little cannonball. 
Mm-hmm. And I use a use a chain swivel, ball chain swivel in the middle just to help mm-hmm. with that bait spinning down there. Yep. I actually I bought this ball chain swivel that morning from uh Blackout Bait and Tackle. I had a little table set up there at the mm-hmm. tournament. And I said, Man, I need some of those. If we're gonna be bumping today, and I guess it paid off. Heck yeah. <laughs> now, how long you run your leaders from like your swivel down to your 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 weight and from your swivel out to your hook, y'all normally run. See, I'd say my my hook is probably three foot, two and a half, three foot, thirty inches, something like that. And uh, I got my sinker set up on probably fourteen or fifteen, about half, about half the sinker to the leader. However, you like it. It's about it's it's what I like to use anyway. I got it. When y'all y'all bumping, y'all don't use no kind of float or nothing on your line. You're just allowing the bait to be a natural flow through the water. Make it as natural as possible. Let let that little sinker down soft and let the bait do the business. Right. You know, one of my favorite ways of fishing is um, the freelining without no sinker or nothing. Just a, just a good swivel and that's it in a heavier leader. That right there to me is almost the same presentation except you're keeping it lower in the water column. You're giving it more of that natural presentation down through that water were a Carolina rig or a Santee rig, it seems like it it looks more restricted, even right. though the fish don't really care. To me, I think there there's times that they are picky about that. Maybe it's more of the clear water than the dingy water. I don't know. So we had two drifting rods out as well because they're running a whole lot of current. We put some heavy, uh, what we have, like some 10 or 12-ounce sinkers on them, and we were straight lining down to the bottom and, and we didn't get no bites on that. We we're going over the same fish talking about presentation and fish being picky. We caught one fish that way, but uh, everything else came off bumping that natural presentation going down river. There you go, guys. There you go. It's uh, sometimes it's the little bitty details that might change your whole day of fishing. Same baits just a different presentation to these fish is what got the fish in the boat for these guys. Yeah, I mean, we like to drift with the bait, maybe, you know, three, four foot up off the bottom, you know, just, uh, and it's bumping. You're, it's down on the bottom. It's in the it's mud, close, you know, yeah. right. I always uh, like to say a good day's bumping. When you, if you, if you get to keep that same sinker all day, that sinker is about half of what it used to be because <laughs> it's been beating off the bottom so long. There you go. <laughs> Peter Parker wanted to know, do y'all ever suspend fish? Oh, yeah. That's what we yeah, got. We that's what we call our, our drifting rods. Our okay. drift is suspended, is suspended drifting is what we were doing off the side of the boat. We had two of those out all day. Caught one pretty nice flathead suspended, actually, up a little uh, closer to the dam. Now, what's your, tied, what's your tied up rig for you suspend fishing? Are you Carolina rigging them and the, and the baits underneath the weight? Or you like a Kentucky rig, basically watch y'all was doing drifting. Well, I had a Kentucky rig tied on all day, and I didn't get a bite on my drifting rig. He had the Carolina rig set up, and he got that flathead to bite on it. So I, that's just a, a confidence thing, too, I think. I like the bait to be down there on the bottom. The lower it can be, the better. Uh, I, use, I do it both ways, really. I use a Kentucky rig with the weight on the bottom and maybe a double hook Kentucky rig right. sometimes where you got one that's – a foot or so up off the sinker and the other one up a few more feet. Just depends on where the where the fish are. Sometimes they're up and moving and other times they're hunkered down there just eating whatever comes by. 
was the was the, did you, any of them fish covered up in mud yet? No, no, I didn't have any. We had a little cold front come through, and I thought it was going to shut them down, but I think it kind of got them feeding a little I bit. Think so too. They were moving. A lot of guys caught a lot of fish. The the second place team they they caught twenty fish or something. Had a, a hundred eleven pounds. They had a they had a nice bag too. That's and, a that's just, catfishing says, and I think we've covered this, but said is it always bumping for you, or do you you guys use any other style of fishing? Nah, we'll, 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 do do what river, we'll do what the river tells us to do. There you go. And it, and it will tell you what to do if you just listen. When there's, yeah. when there's no current, I'm dragging boards. A couple sets of planer boards out the back, dragging up river. You know, the current's above a mile an hour. I'm probably bumping. Anything in between, we're going to suspend drift. Mike Castillo so, Outdoors wants to know if you prefer night or daytime fishing. Which one do you like the best? Summertime, you gotta get out there at nighttime for me. I'm I'm a big boy, you know that that that, that, that water leaks off of me pretty easy. So yeah, <laughs> it gets hot and muggy around here in the summertime. We try to go night fishing when it's summer. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. And, uh, Be careful because we do have barge traffic. Yeah, yeah. So do y'all ever do much lake fishing, or do you just mainly your your river fishermen? We ain't really got any lakes around here that's going to excite us. We go catch some bluegill or you go catch some real small, some fish in the wildlife areas, but most of the time it's river fishing. Amazon catfish, he must have come in a little bit late. If you don't mind, Jake, tell them what kind of boat you're fishing out of right quick. Oh, it's a, actually old 1993 Crestliner Sportfish. It's a 17 and a half foot deep V double windshield. Got a little 115 on the back of it. Got it uh, built a live well up in the front myself, up in front of the windshields. Built me a live well, and the back of it's just open floor plan. Got plenty of room for that fish to get in there and flop, slime it all up. <laughs> what kind of floor you got in that? I know some people are starting to go with this vinyl floor and stuff like that. I just wonder how that vinyl floor works with the catfish slime. Well, I don't have vinyl myself, but I took all my wood out and put down aluminum diamond plate. Just left it raw and put right. down some aluminum. I figured it'd last longer than me that way. No I, had, with. I had the uh, vinyl in that Alumacraft before we sold it, and uh, you just take a pressure washer and hose it out. Just like uh, I'm not saying that that it was as easy to maintain as, say, some of the bed liner material but it was pretty easy you just wash it out and it runs. Right i just wonder if it's slick when you get that slime no, on the floor and stuff wasn't. like that mine wasn't but they these guys with these boat manufacturers they have special stuff designed not to be slick now i'm not saying that you couldn't make it slick if you was playing around or something doing something you wasn't supposed to be but we never right. we never had any problems with it being slick not that i remember and uh if I'd have busted my old tired butt, I'd have remembered that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wonder, you know, usually vinyl and water or vinyl and catfish slime. Of course, catfish slime slick. It don't matter what you put it on. But <laughs> That's what Kevin from Palmetto Cat says. Everything is slick when it's got catfish slime on it. It's yeah, 100% right. correct, correct. But now we got such a deal on the – when we redone our inside of our boat that I went ahead and put – carpet back in it because i have a power washer but if that doesn't hold up or we don't like it 
when I pull it out, it will be bedlined uh, the next trip. But yeah. I won't. I won't put the bed lining on the sides. The car. I like the carpet because it's it's so much quieter. Yeah, I actually all diamond plate. I did the sides and everything. I did it all myself. But uh, yeah, I was a little wondering about if it'd be slick or not. You know, everybody. Oh, it's going to be slick, but it's not. I mean, it. Oh, I had that, that monster. I didn't find it very slick. No, and it. You know, you think it'd be hot because it's kind of shiny aluminum, but. I nope. walk around in a boat with you know no shoes on in the summertime and it's it's not bad at all. I did no, reflecting the sun. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not bad at all. Now it'll cook you in the boat. It gets you. <laughs> it, you know it, it it's hot when you're sitting there, but it's not hot on your skin or feet or nothing like that. But right. so will the water if you if it's blaring off? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, at least you get an even suntan while you're out there anyway. <laughs> Top and the bottom. Uh, you don't have to rotate. Sound <laughs> like bacon fish in the oven. Uh, appreciate you coming in, little bucket of sunshine. What's the biggest? What's the biggest advice you could give to someone that wants to go bumping baits instead of drifting as usual? Good question. Get a, get a good bumping rod. Find you some current and go practice. Cause you're gonna get hung up at first. And you're going to not be able to feel the bottom. If you got to use a little bit heavier sinker at first, use it. Slow the boat down a little That's bit right. more. Get a heavier sinker on there. And when I, I want to take a bumping rod with you. If you got to take two bumping rods, take two bumping rods. Don't take any catfish rods because if you that's do, right. you're going to end up catfishing. You're gonna, I mean, that's why I took two bumping rods with me the very first time I went out and tried it. Got over on a little sand flat. We had about a mile and a half current. Slowed the boat down to about 0.9 and just went to town. Didn't catch anything big, but I caught a bunch of little channel cats, but I got the feel for it. Practice, practice, practice. Practice, and you got to have a good trolling motor. There's, I mean, it's you got to be able to slow the boat down, and it's nice to be able to hit a, a north button or, or something along them lines to just keep, yeah. you, keep you going where you don't really have to think about it and just up and down off the bottom. It'll wear your arm out. My arm was cramping up about a minute into that fight. I'm trying to switch over to the other side, and uh, you got you know bump with your left hand, bump with your right. It's uh during that fight of that '92. I'm asking, man, you got the tow motor shut off? He said, not yet. He reaches up to get ready to shut that tow motor off. About that time, that fish tried to make a a run on him, and he's ah, here, <laughs> let me get that for you. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things that I seem to always forget if I'm catching a fish and running a trolling motor is to shut the trolling motor off. Me too. Sometimes when I'm not catching the fish and I'm running the dip net, I forget to shut it off. <laughs> and it makes it a lot easier on whoever's reeling it in to shut it off. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're bumping, you're going down river anyway. But yeah. uh, this fish, we shut it off, and he went up river. So I almost had to go chase him up river. Yeah. But he took off. I was up in the front of the boat dancing around fighting this thing. <laughs> Creole catfish. He wants to know what type of trolling motor do you guys use when you're when you're uh, bumping to control your boat? I have a Minkota Tarova. It's an eighty pound thrust, twenty four volt. Um. It's not a, they got some, some nicer models, I suppose, or newer models, but it has uh, the spot lock and the GPS and you can, you can mark your trail and all that stuff with it. 
Download them. Yeah, you can control it off your smartphone like everything else nowadays. Um, I don't think mine's new enough for that. It, it's if you have the link, I think. No, no, no. As long as it's a, what they call it, if it's got the little Bluetooth up on the head, you can you can download the app. And yeah, it. I don't think it, mine's got that. But the reason I did it when I repaired it and upgraded it to some stuff is I was just going to buy another new one. And the guy said, man, I wouldn't do that. He said, I'd be spending money on it. He said, the motor that's on yours, you can't get no more. No. As old as it is, it's never been touched. And as long as you're alive, you'll probably never touch it. Why would you ever do anything other than fix that one? And I took him at his word. He says, you can't buy a motor that will last as long as that and will last because it's one of the best ones they ever made. And they quit making them. So I took him at his word. And here we are still using it years later. Heck yeah. I mean, did you ever did you ever find out what happened the day of the tournament down there, Law? Why it shut no, off? I don't even look at it no more. My, my shoulder got to bother me and I never right. bothered it anymore. I didn't I'll, know if I'll you wait. got a chance to look at it or not. No, I just had too much stuff going on. But I look at it one of these days when I get to feel a little bit better, get to wanting to go fishing, and because uh, I usually won't go out if I don't know that it's available in case something would happen to the big motor. That's right. Uh, Creole want to know: Do y'all ever use the head locking for directional control? That would be the fourth button. Like yeah, the north button, yeah. That north button is a lifesaver. That's how we that's how we were doing it. We'd uh pull up river and hit the north button, slow the boat down just a little bit less than the current and bump away. Yep. So when you say you got a mile and a half current, what do you try to keep your boat at? You know, what's the I guess what I'm asking is what is your percentage of change that you want to keep it at within there? I've always said just drop it in half. That's the way I do it on my boat. If I got a mile and a half current, I try to drop it to about 0.7. Okay. So we didn't have a whole lot of current, to be honest. That's why we we're all the way down with a two ounce and big baits trying to get it to pull it back. So we probably had 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 current, and we were bumping it 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5. <laughs> had it about cut in half. We were kind of slow presentation, really. But it, uh, it works. Junior wants to know what kind of hooks are y'all using for your bumping? I so it's actually the first tournament I've used these hooks, and I got them. Somebody recommended them to me. Uh, it's the the rip and lip, eight odd hook. I'm uh, having a hard time finding anything sharper than them. They kind of just came out with them, and uh, it's a really sharp hook. I haven't found one with a defect. If you I mean, you know, I'm not sponsored by these guys. I have no affiliations at all. I'm a I'm a worker seven days a week. I don't do a lot of that promotion and stuff. But it's uh it's what I'm confident in and it works. I'm still a gamma guy. I like them gamma gamma gossips. So Mike, are you using circle hooks or are you using the big river hooks? I'm just using the circle hooks. I love Gamo. I know I've heard a lot of people say, well, I broke one or I've had on the break on me and I never had none to break. Of course, I ain't hooking up some of the fish that they do, but I always wondered if it ain't because they've grabbed them hooks with a metal power pliers right. and scarred them. I had them break and that wasn't the case with me, but I haven't had them break in years and years and years and I have never had one of their big river hooks break, ever. And did, did you break it on a fish? Yes. 
really. Not that so I, know I broke some hooks on on snags or something when I'm drifting oh. and broke a hook. You know, I've never broke one on a fish. I don't. Yeah, I haven't in years. But I think they had a run back. I don't know, maybe ten years ago, or maybe it wasn't that long. But they had a run where everybody's complained about them breaking, and I had some, and one of them broke. I only had one break. That's all it took for me. Yeah, uh, right. But you know. I haven't had any break in years and years, and I'm not a bit afraid to to uh, to use Gamagatsu stuff. And their big river hook that uh, is one of the, in, in my opinion, for a J hook, it's the greatest J hook ever made. And I use them bumping just because when uh, it's hard for me to lay off of them when I'm bumping and they're trying to take that rod away from me, and I can lay it on them, and if it touches skin, it's stuck. I mean, they are, they are by far the sharpest hook I've ever used. And um, I've got some red ones here that I bought two packages of in a tournament, had two bites, two big fish, never got either one of them to boat. That first package ended up in the river uh, when we was fishing that tournament. The second one got lost in the boat. And I give it to two or three people and then couldn't find it. And my son was down here over the weekend. And... Uh, uh, I, when we done that redone parts in the boat, I found it and laid it in here on a shelf. And he was in, he said, dad, I need some books. I will take them. So, uh, he's now the proud owner of them. But, uh, I hear you. Yeah. When you yeah I think boats, people you don't know, realize you can put too much temper in metal and you make it almost like glass. Well, you know, any, anybody can have a run of stuff. Anybody can have a run of bad stuff. And I think yeah. that's probably what happened to those. They had a run of bad ones, and some of them may still be floating around. I mean, Probably. you don't know, but you well, don't have millions at a time. Works breaking anymore. You did for a while, but I, I think they're pretty much past all that. They probably got it fixed, whatever the issue was. Hey, I seen a, I seen a question. It wasn't addressed to us, but I'll try to. Uh, somebody asked about bumping while the boat is stationary from an anchor position. Mm -hmm. I've done that too. That's pretty good. I like doing that. I could drop a couple rods out the side and bump one out the back while the boat's anchored. Yep. That works pretty good for me, too. I have a question for you guys. Do you guys run dead sticks out the side of the boat when you're bumping? Yes. We had two dead sticks going. Yeah, uh, me too. And there's days when they're more productive than the bumping rods. Hey, sometimes we put them 12 ounces on there and put it down there and let it eat. <laughs> well, Harold Dodd told me one time, he said, when you're using dead sticks, it doesn't matter if it takes two, four, six, or 24 ounces, <laughs> whatever it takes to make it go straight down. If it's not going straight down, it's not doing you any good. That's right. And I, I believe Harold, uh, and that's the way we've always done it. Now, a lot of times we don't have to use 24 ounces, but I have used 24 ounces and a extra one to get it to go down, to stay straight <laughs> down in that hot current. I know, Mike, you've seen that stuff. Yep. <laughs> I've used electrical tape on a no-roll to make it a 16 several <laughs> times. <laughs> Take an 8-ounce to a 16 with a couple strips of electrical tape. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Now, man, wants to know, do you ever bump vertical going with the current speed and bouncing the weight off the bottom? I have done that. Uh, one of the one of the very first times I went with a guy five years ago, we was doing it right beside the boat. But here lately, I, I like it to be out behind the boat if I'm going to do it. So to me, that's kind of straight sticking. You just happen to have the rod in your hand, you know, yeah, just right. off yeah. the bottom. 
Hey, yeah. there ain't nothing like it when they hit it and you've got it in your hand. I'll tell you that. That's exactly right. Wicked Catfishing says, is there a preferred line for bumping? Is using braid for the extra sensitivity worth it, or can you use mono? Well, in my mind, mono won't work for bumping, in my yeah. mind. Now, get you guys' opinion on that. I'm a straight braid. I'm, yeah. I'm, I agree with you 100%. You, you want that braid. Yeah, it's just too much more sensitive. You don't want any stretch. You you want to be able to feel what you got down there. Yeah, I mean, the only only thing there's I sometimes there's sometimes you're walking that bait so far out behind you yeah. that you, you would almost run out of mono if you're not bumping with the seven thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I don't want anything that heavy on a bumping rod, but but I uh, the the uh, leader is the only only kind of mono that I want, and I usually don't have a long enough one on it. The stretch is going to make that much of a difference. Right, about three yeah. foot is the longest leader I'll put on my hook. Bumping, yeah, yeah. Now I know guys that will use a lot longer ones than that. But I don't. Well, you need to try some of that, Andy. If you want some very low stretch line, that's that. If it says it's fifty pound break, that's probably where it's going to break right there. Forty nine and a half to fifty to fifty and a half. That line, and it don't have a lot of stretch. It's a very. I don't know. I like it. Uh, you know, I don't like that. I mean, I'm not knocking no other lines. A lot of people love the the stretchier line, like the the slime lines and stuff. I don't like it. I think if it stretches and don't come back, it's weak. It's Once done created it, a weak spot. Yeah, I agree with that. Once you stretch it one time, you better put something else on there. <laughs> right. I agree with it makes that. it weak. I mean, one of the lines that I used to use a lot was that red line. What do they call that stuff? Cajun. Cajun. I Cajun. used it a lot. But if you stretched it two or three times, it'd break. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm just using a big game. Oh, Berkeley big game, six, right. 60 One pounds. One of the greatest lines it was ever made. Yeah. And it's, but it's it easy. seems like their 20 and 30-pound line, I've heard people talk about it, that is, it's almost like they've changed their formula. It's It's got a lot more memory than it ever used to have, yeah. uh, and they're having problems with the stretch on it. Hell, James, I'm biting such big spools, it'll last me so long, I wouldn't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, because you don't use nothing but liters of it. That's all. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I got to tell you, I uh, Tony Cajun sent me a couple of spools of the 60-pound uh, slime line a couple years ago, and that's all we've used for liter material since then. And I've had really, really good luck with it now. I'm excited to get a hold of some of his uh, leader material line. And, and the reason is I used some of it from a guy one time, and I was amazed at how easily you could tie knots with it because my old fingers don't work like they used to be. And some of these lines are so heavy and so stiff, it's hard to get them to cinch down. But that stuff, man, it was just so it would just cinch down and stayed put, didn't loosen back up. So I'm anxious to try some of that. I don't have any of it yet, but I'm going to be getting some and uh, and try that because I think that uh, I like to use heavier leader line than a lot of people do because, well, like Mike and you, and you guys know, you get to bumping and you're going to get in some stuff. Yes, you get it out. Uh, you you don't want to damage that line, and you want to check it. And you, if you're retying all the time, I want something that's easy to retie and holds the knot good. Yeah, I've heard that's some good line. Their their later material lines are. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I haven't come across it either. I guess because I'm like you, I got a big spool of that other to tie my leaders, and it'll be a while before I run out of it. But right, keep it out of the sun, and it'll last forever. Yeah, my school uh, yeah. most of the time, unless we're going somewhere, and then I put it in a, a you know, a duffel bag. It keeps everything in. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's just like hooks. Why buy them three at a time when you can buy them a hundred at a time and save yourself some money? I know, like, there's certain areas I know that if I'm going to go bumping at, I'll sit at home the night before and I'll tie up 20 bumping rigs. Yep. Just because I don't want to be out there tying them up. They take so long to tie up. That's right. And especially if it's getting cold, your fingers get stiff. Man, yeah. the way I, do, I put a polymer knot on everything except the hook, the hook gets the uh, uh, snaggle. Yep, I agree. I was hoping you'd tell me you use the uni knot. That's my favorite knot. <laughs> no. That uni knot. I love it. I've never had it slip. So, uh, yeah, that Palmer knot's a good knot. It sure is. I guess that was one of the first knots that the one old big Bassmaster guy taught me how to use. He said, you learn to use that knot, you won't never eat, need anything else. And I can That's tie right. it in the dark with my eyes shut. Yeah. It's That's about the only knot. Right. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. I see that's the arm of the Palomar knot. I can tie it with my eyes closed. Yep. And that's good. I mean, it's like anything else, guys and gals. You've got tools of the trade, whether it's your rod, whether it's your line, your hook, your boat, anything you've got, look at it as a tool. you got to have the proper tool of the trade to get the job done. That's right. You can use cheaper tools to get that job done and it might get that job done once might get it done twice but the third time might be that world record that you lose because of it get the best of what you can get save your money go to the pawn shops if i find most of my stuff my rock my reels 6500s out of pawn shops um and i got a feeling in the next couple of years we're going to start seeing a lot of that in pawn shops because everybody's been buying because they've been at home because of COVID. They've been out fishing. They've been spending that money. So, but get the best you can get for the money. But the main thing is, is get out and enjoy the day of fishing. And have fun like these two guys done when they caught that 92. I had a blast watching. Yeah, we had fun all day long. Though. That 92 was just icing on the cake. That just put us over the edge. We was, man. Yeah, you guys had a heck of a day. High on life right there. I mean, I think total, you know, we caught, I think it was a three, four, five pound or whatever it was. And there was a 23-pound flathead, like a 18-pound blue, 30-pound blue, 43-pound blue, and then that freaking 92. It was, <laughs> I mean, about, five, about five 220, overs. About 220 pounds in five fish, really. Well, Mike, if that don't become your best video or most viewed video, I will be surprised. Yeah, it's already hit almost 900 views in, in 24 hours. So <laughs> yeah, pretty right. good. that's pretty good for me. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome fish. And, and uh, like I say, you guys was having a hell of a day. Before that thing come along, so <laughs> um, we had over, we had a hundred. Ah, what 
maybe 100, 105 pounds before that fish. Sorry for Mike because I've never seen a video where he's sitting there doing all the netting, and I'm thinking, what? That's <laughs> 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 just how it worked out that day. That's how it, it worked is. out. And the next time it may be the other way. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> And you touched on it earlier about when you're in a tournament and you're fishing, it's it's about putting fish in the boat. And I don't know how many times Mike said, I don't care if you catch them all, we're putting fish in the boat. That's right. It's a team Daniel, effort. I want to thank the comp thank you for your compliment, Daniel Ishmael. Uh somebody had another question. Question what's important thing to consider in a bumping reel? That's a great yeah. for me, it's a thumb bump. You want to be able to quick a thumb bar. Yeah. You want to be able to quick release. Be able to, I mean, you sit there and bump with your left hand only. You want to be able to quick release that let line out. And you can just pop it if you have to, but you want that thumb bar. That's number one for me. And lightweight. Lightweight. Yeah, because you're sitting lightweight. there doing that all for hours all, all day long. That's why I don't use nothing more than a 5600 little video reel. Look at it. It's small, but it's got the thumb bar. That Mike's talking about, and it's it's lightweight. I have a couple of thumb bar reels that I have used for bumping. One of the reasons why I went back to using the 6500 line counter is because of the line counter. The other one is it holds so much more line. The ones that I was using that had the thumb bar on them did not hold enough line, and I'd been spooled a time or two, and that don't work out real well for me. Got to remember to hit, turn that trolling motor off. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah you're exactly right. You told, you told on yourself earlier. You told on yourself. That's an operation. Cindy's in the boat. She's you turn it, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> she let me know because usually when I forget, it's when she has a fish on and mm. she don't want to fight the current and. and uh, I've had Bill Dance and, and uh, 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 Jeff Dodd pull up beside me when she had one on one time and chewed me up one side down the other for not going to the fish. And I said, man, you think that's the only one she ever caught? <laughs> but little did they know that she was doing the vertical bumping straight down off the side when they, she caught that fish and it wasn't very far out but man they was all over me that i should take that boat to her. <laughs> there. you know it was right under us but she fought it and fought it they pulled up right beside us and watch us cut watch her catch that and it was a great fish but uh uh i was looking at doc and he was looking at me and i said man they don't have a clue <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But when you're that close to them guys and 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 you look over on the other side of them is Daryl and Jason Massingill, you got a pretty good idea you're in the right spot. Yeah. Yes. Got some experience there for sure. Yeah. 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 And we was all catching fish that day. Come tournament day wasn't quite the same way, but you know, that's what it works sometimes. Yep. Now what's the furthest out you allow your, your baits to get when you're bumping like that, that you don't want to go too much further past that? <laughs> if I can feel it, I'll let it go. That's right. <laughs> if, I, if I look, if I look down on my reel, I've only got a, a, a wrap or two left. I'm like, well, maybe I need to start over there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And if, I put it way back there. 
Yeah, yeah, you still over 400 feet behind the boat before on them line camps. Yeah, and you still feel that you've got enough control bumping that far out behind you. I can oh, still yeah. feel the bottom. Yeah, if you got, you can feel the bottom. You got it. If you know, that's you it. Nice bumping rod with lightweight and it's sensitive. So sensitive. Yeah. As long as the guys, you know as well as I do that that comes from doing a lot of it and practicing for hours. Yeah. That's I know right. the, the first dozen times I went out, I spent more time tying rigs on than anything <laughs> else because every little this and that, I was stuck in it. I'll tell well, you. a lot of guys, I tell them, if you can't feel the bottom, you're not doing any good. Put more weight on it. Yeah. And then when you get more adjusted to it, start taking it off. I've taught a yeah. bunch of people how to bump, and, and they want to start out with a two or a three-ounce weight. I said, but you can't. Not on the Mississippi yeah. River where I bump. You can't do yeah. that. Put a five or six on there, maybe. That's right, and then and then take it back until you can't feel it, and reel it up and start all over. Right, and just keep yeah. doing that until you can feel it way behind you, and then reel it up one time and put a five on it or a four or. And, and my, favorite, my favorite thing is teaching somebody to bump, and then when they sitting there bumping and they got that uh, reel in, not engaged and that fit hits and they want to let go. Then they just got a big bird's nest. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, you warn them, you warn them, but it's going to scare the shit out of them. First off, whoa. Mike, usually that happens. It's one of my reels. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> I know you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you just straighten it out and go on because you That's want them right. to be successful. Uh, and and uh, I've, I've, like I say, I've showed a lot of people how to do it. And some people, Cindy was one of them, picked it up in minutes. And others, it takes a couple of hours before they really understand. And those guys, I just keep making the weight on the end of it heavier until they can, until they can tell me, oh, yeah, I can feel it hit. Well, if you're not feeling hit, you're not, you're not doing it right. Right. So I, I hadn't been bumping since early in the year. We hadn't had much current around here. I've been dragging baits for the most time. And uh, that first fish that hit kind of scared me a little bit. It startled. Whoa, that's a that's a fish. That's what it does when it's in your hand. It's uh, it kind of startles you the first time for sure. Especially yeah. if you've been doing it for you know 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. You then got that rhythm going, and bam! Whoa, what happened? Well, another thing, Mike, that I noticed that happened uh, to, to me and some other people is once in a while, you'll get one that'll actually pick that bait up and start swimming to you. You better get to cranking that reel and catch up with him because the next thing you know, he's in front of the boat going away and he's well, going to five lines tangled up. If you're doing any dead sticking. Now, that's, that's what that 92 did. But when I started reeling, it didn't start coming my way. He kept, reeling, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he actually ended up tangled up in my suspended rod on uh, from the opposite side of the boat. Oh wow! But yeah, they'll. Uh, and he started pulling up river, and I'm looking back at that rod, and it's sitting there dancing. I just kept reaching back there and free spooling it. Yeah, <laughs> and not a uh, 50, 50 or so yards, and then keep. Man, that was awesome. That yeah, was just awesome. we was talking about dead sticking and bumping. And, I, and I'm going to uh, say something for guys that want to try that that's never done it before. I would recommend that you put them rods in a rod holder 
in front of your boat away from where you're bumping. So you don't run into issues like that. And I would also recommend that you do not do that or try it until you're fully confident you know how to bump and do it correctly because it'll get you in trouble. First thing that happen is you'll set that bumping rod down and you'll go to get that other. And then by the time you pick it up, it's way behind you. You're tangled up and you've got a mess and you really have to, to know what you're doing to be able to dead stick and bump at the same time. You really do. We've gotten so good to the point now we'll be bumping and we're like, man, I think we could put out a drift rod. So we pull the sleeve off of it with one hand, <laughs> slide it in the rod holder, cutting a piece of bait, slide it over there, then dropping it down all while you're still bumping. You guys have <laughs> been all together a while then. If you well, guys like that. You know, you'll have a he'll have a fish on and he'll just say, you know, if it's a you can tell when it's a nice fish nine times out of ten. Yeah. He'll say, keep on bumping. Yeah. You know, it'll be a smaller fish, and I'll just keep bumping. He'll net it and land it himself, and we'll just keep going downriver until we find that bite we're looking for. That's exactly right, and and you might not find it that day, and it may no. be the next one just like happened to you guys. That's all right. right. So what I'm going to take away from this is that your longer lines like that, y'all feel that you're getting a better presentation to the fish being further out away. The reason that you're drifting that far out, or personally, I don't. I feel like if you're getting that far away, you need to speed the boat up a little yeah. bit, slow your yeah. trolling motor down, and speed the boat up some. I, I don't keep. I don't like it way out there too much. I mean, I I, I don't mind it, but uh, right. I'm pretty comfortable not too far out the back of the boat. You know, I don't mind either way. Most of the time, when I get way out there, I'm. I got. I got it spot locked, and I'm. I, we don't have a lot of current, but there's enough to spot lock it and walk it out there. And I'll walk it out so I just spot I don't have anything left and then I'll roll it back in. Might walk it down walk it down into a hole or something like that, you know, it's back there. But uh if I get a lot of line out, I just slow the trolling motor down and actually speed the boat up and, and catch up to it for the most part. I like I like bumping through holes and I like bumping off of drop offs too. Yeah, that's that's what that was. Every time, every time we hit that little, it wasn't no more than a five, six foot drop off. Every time we hit it, we we were catching a fish. Man, that's awesome, Amazon catfishing. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, you know, Lyle, you were talking about a little while ago, then fish grabbing and then swimming towards you. Back when I bass fished a lot, and I was teaching some guys how to worm fish, and you know, I'd tell them, don't take but one rod with you, a fanny pack full of worms, hooks, and weights, bullet weights. Don't take nothing else with you force yourself to learn that bottom and i said but there's gonna be a lot of times when all of a sudden it feels like something cut your line yes that there's nothing else like just nothing on there i said when they do reel down set the hook because he's got it in his mouth is that the same way as what you're talking about when you're bumping all of a sudden you might not feel nothing that's right and he's got it i've had it to where i've been bumping and you feel the initial bite so you start to reel down, you reel five, six, seven, sometimes up to 10, 15 times, and you don't feel him. So then you start trying to let line back out to find that bottom, and you're like, you can't find that bottom. So you just start to reel it in to find bottom. Oh, shoot, there's a fish. That's right. <laughs> uh, he was coming up and at you at the same time. And you just... yeah. Yep. Dang. So, that's... so it's learning what you are feeling. It's, that's it's right. all of that. So to be quite honest, that 92 felt like a log and I wasn't real sure. So I'm bumping down through there and uh, I felt a, it was a real soft bite. I, you know, I felt a little bite and 
I held it, held the rod tip up to see, try to let it load up using a circle hook, you know, and uh, it never loaded up. I reeled down on it and it didn't move. So, I, man, that's a snag. And then he took off upriver. <laughs> so, when that hook really you, went in, his, yeah, uh, it, he started. That's trying. right. Once he realized he was hooked, there was no more playing around. I'm, it really did feel like a log. It didn't It didn't move. didn't budge. Wow. It, when he finally started coming up and decompressing, it looked like a jacuzzi <laughs> next to the boat. <laughs> I mean, he was letting off the most bubbles. And then, I, that's a big fish. Look at them bubbles. I mean, it was. it looked like a hot tub next to the boat. Now, how deep was y'all bumping through this hole? How deep was it? It wasn't but 35, 36 foot. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun day, don't it, Lyle? It does. It does. And, and I'm going to go down and get – Mike and I are going to get together one of these days and go out for a day fishing. I, I I think that that would be such a, a, a great time. Him and I get out in the boat, maybe Cindy, and somebody else would want to go along and – uh, as far as that goes, Mike and I could sit in front of the boat, and whoever else is with us could do the fishing. We just sit right. there and shoot the bull. And <laughs> That's right. Well, I tell you, if I live closer, I like to go out, and y'all two be sitting back there bumping. I just like to be the cameraman, <laughs> do some Woo! good video work. Well, Mike, you don't hear that very often. Who, who, when, you, when you're bumping, who wants to run the video camera? No. <laughs> you come on down and do that, whatever you want. <laughs> well, the only reason I'm saying that is because what I'm hearing is a lot of good knowledge that can be passed along to people that want to learn how to do this bumping. And what better than two experienced fishermen out there? To me, that would be good video content that people could learn from. Now, it might be a lot of beep beeps and bleep bleeps in there. But... <laughs> hey, anybody around here wants to go fishing, wants to learn how to bump, get a hold of me or Mike. We love to fish. I've, I've taken five or six new guys from work and from here and there, and, and now they're tournament fishers with us. They're right. That's right. I mean, there you go. Go. That's awesome. I'm, that, I'll take it. I'll cool. take it. You know, some guys might not like it, and other guys, they catch that one, not even just a, their first catfish, 10-pound blue cat, and they're hooked forever, you know? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially when you guys have got current down there, it's, what, one, two mile an hour, three sometimes, unless it's flooded. But when I'm out where we bump, it's six, eight, ten mile an hour. You can't get in the river around here. It's right. Man, it's, it's big. It's, out. it's mainly two mile an hour, rough yeah. about a half it goes around here. Yeah, that's perfect for somebody <laughs> to learn on. That's right. <laughs> it's perfect. We need to get together where the Mississippi and Ohio meet and do a little fishing. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd be good on that. That's a yeah. great area, too. There's a lot of great fish in there. I've never been down that way, but I know that's kind of a couple hours down from us and be a little closer to you anyway. Yeah, I, I uh, New Madrid's a great place to fish, and all along down through there is just awesome fishery. You know, anytime you get two good waters that come together like that, it would have to be a key spot to fish. Oh, yeah, yeah and, there's a, it, and there's a lot of granaries down through there, so you – Greeneries are a great place to take somebody that wants to catch fish because usually there's a bunch of fish in them. 
and you, you'll mess around and find the big one, but you're going to usually have bites all day sitting at a greenery. Yeah, you can go in there and catch them smaller fish all day long, and every once in a while you'll hit a, a 40 or 50 or bigger. And uh, Yeah. Now, I've heard them daggum grain-fed fish will make a mess and a stinking mess in the bottom of your boat, too, won't they? I ain't no real your live well. <laughs> yeah, and they stink too. Man, they're rough. They are, but it's you know, if you're in a tournament, you forget all about that when you go to weigh in. Yeah. No. Sure. Last year we had a tournament where we caught one of those fish and he just he let it all out all over the boat. He's we look funny because we put that fish back in the water and fish never clean him off. People are looking at what in the world are they doing over there? Man, we got to clean it. Something doesn't happen to their mic. Sound like Donald Duck over there talking. Yeah, I, I wonder when that happens if their phones don't get hot. I don't know that yeah. that's it, but I wonder about that. I know it's happened to several people using a phone, and I'm assuming yeah. Mike's using a phone. I just don't plug it. Does that make a difference? Nope. Nope. <clears throat> nope. Sound like Daffy Duck. Yep. <laughs> We're the biggest Daffy Ducks you've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> uh, y'all, y'all sucking on helium balloons before you talk what it sounds like. Uh, but it has been a great show, guys. Uh, yes, it has. Wow, a lot of great information is being gone out tonight. A lot of great information. I learned a lot, even though I might not ever get to bump. I still took in a lot of great information. I've seen a few people talking about they was taking notes tonight. I hope that we can bring more shows to these people where they can take notes yeah. and want to take notes and learn from some great fishermen like the two guys we had on here tonight, Lyle. Yep. They entertained us. They give us a lot of great information. Guys, check out their channels. Watch their videos. They make you feel like you're right there in the boat with them, laughing, having fun. Sound like now with the 92, they sound like a bunch of little teenage girls in there <laughs> screaming and cackling and stuff. But that's okay. They that's had a great about. time. And I it filled my heart with it because I thought, man, I'd just like to be in the boat just watching this because <laughs> too much fun. Great fun. Yeah. Great show tonight, guys. Well, I had a appreciate blast. You having us on. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Junior Proctor has another question. Wants to know from Jacob, what size leader was you using from your swivel to your weight? Uh, and the same to the hook. Okay. So from the swivel down to my weight, I got a 30-pound. And then about, what, 16 inches or so. And then on my, my main leader line, I got 60-pound, big game. And it's probably 32 inches. I use, I like to keep them about half and half. So if I got yeah. 10 inches, I'll go 20. If I got two foot, I'll go four foot on my leader. About half to half. Yep. That's that's great information. I know Jim would appreciate that. I like to try yeah. to keep that, leader, that, that sinker leader just a little bit smaller so it'll bust off first. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Um when you friend, get in them rocks. Make sure you tell everybody how they can find your videos and, and contact information, you guys. Uh, I do a lot on Greenwell Fishing on Facebook and then uh, on YouTube. It's just my name, Mike Greenwell. Yeah, I learned a lot. Now, that Junior Proctor, 
you know, mainly all we got around here is lakes and that are, he mainly fishes down around Santee and Moultrie and all of them. But some of them lakes, they, uh, I think it's Monticello. They pull a lot of water through and he, there's no river channel in that lake. It's a man-made lake. And it's weird because it did, wasn't built on the river. And they actually pump water in and then pump water out. So it's weird. Got a lot of standing timber. But I can see Junior Proctor trying to try that when they're down there and got a lot of current in there. It's hey, bumping hey. through some of that standing timber. I can see Junior trying something like that. Mike, if there's, if there's water moving, give that's it a right. Try. I was just getting ready to say, if it's moving, we can bump. Because yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of flooding and stuff for the past two or three years down here. And I always thought if I'd had a boat, now you can't do much like that on a pontoon to really control it. But run Ray up that Dagum River and bump all the way down because we got a good river section where Lake Wiley narrows down real narrow. And plus, you got bathing and stuff like that where they move water through there all the time. Yeah. So, a man, if you got current, you can bump. Peter the Deer Whisperer has joined the show. It's about a day late and a dollar short, ain't he, Lyle? He, he is a little bit late, but it's Dieter Melhorn, and he's in deer camp, and he took time out to, to watch a little Mike Greenwell and Jacob tonight. So, yes, uh, you know what? Uh, we're always glad to see Dieter watch, watching Catfish Weekly. Yes, sir. Hope he, hope he kills a big one. Man, you guys, thanks so much. you done an awesome job tonight. What a great fish you guys caught. That, that my Jacob has a stud. You may catch another one bigger than that next week. You may never catch another one, but you got that one. That's right. That's, <laughs> you're never going to forget it, and a lot no. of us that watch that video, we're never going to forget it either. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to see a little bit of it, but it was definitely a, a fish of a lifetime. And as if Dieter's there at deer, deer camp, that's about like a 170 inch buck. You know, you just <laughs> don't, get, so, you don't yeah. get too many of them. Yep. I All agree. Right. Yeah. That, that's a stud fish. Any way you, any way you cut it. And uh, we're very happy for you guys to do that. Congratulations on the win. Congratulations. Congratulations. Anything else, James? No. Uh, don't forget guys. Got a lot of veterans and military out there. Shake a hand. Tell them thank you, policemen, EMS, fire. We love them all. We appreciate them all. Mike, Jake, we thank you for the show tonight. And we'll do this again, I promise you. That's yes. right. Next Monday night, Creole Catfishing. Be sure to tune in to Catfish Weekly. Sir, see y'all later. Say goodnight.